Hello everyone, and welcome to the Bread of Life. This radio ministry is sponsored by Church Partnership Evangelism at its local Missions Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, the Bread of Life Church. If you're looking for a place to give that is taking the gospel in direct and personal evangelism and disciple-making around the world, then consider CPE, would you? On a daily basis, we're working with pastors in Asia, Africa, South America, and even Europe equipping them and directing them into engagements in the gospel with lost people. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. And now to God's Word. Romans 4 verses 9 through 17 is a seemingly complicated passage about Abraham and information on when he was pronounced righteous by God. There Paul tells us that Abraham was declared righteous before he was circumcised, and he was declared righteous by God without the addition of laws for him to obey. And because this is so, righteousness is not just for those people who are Abraham's natural descendants or those advantaged by knowing God's law. Righteousness is for everyone and to everyone who will believe. Now that's the good news behind this strange passage. Well, for the Jews, they're kind of step away from all the other communities around them. Their step away from all the other nations. Their step away from everyone as a non-Jew was a step towards their identity with Abraham as their father. Abraham, in their mind, set them apart from all the other nations of the world. It was Abraham whom God had come to and God had called to leave the land and his family to go into a promised land. It was Abraham that surrendered that call and followed God. And in this sense, in the Jewish mind, Abraham is distinguished right from the start as presented to us this man who stepped out and lived the kind of righteous life that they were trying to follow an example in as well. And then Abraham believed God and believed God, the promises God made to him. And, and as a demonstration or expression that he was believing in God, Abraham further separated the Jew from all the nations of the earth by having himself and all of his family be circumcised, distinguished, beginning that act and that expression that distinguished them from all the other nations. And then it was to Abraham then that God gave this promise that their nation would be great and would be as many as the stars in the sky. And so for the Jew, when they thought of their unique position and their unique distinct place in the world and what separated them from everyone around them, it traced it back to Abraham. In Abraham, they kind of affirmed that they were a special people that with the mere, the sheer truth that they came from Abraham, delivered to them some sense of assurance or promise that they were a saved people, that they were the people of God. John the Baptist comes along. John the Baptist is preaching to the people of Israel. And he has a message for them that they're to come and be baptized in a baptism of repentance, preparing themselves for the coming of the Messiah. Now this was a unique message because prior to this, if a person were of the Gentile race and they wanted to enter into the Jewish faith, they had to do a number of things. There were men, they had to be circumcised. Another thing is they all had to be ritually washed as an expression of their need to be cleansed from all the defilement of their Gentile and pagan ways, John the Baptist comes along to the people of Israel and says, no, you need to be washed. You need to be cleansed before the Messiah comes. So people were coming down and they were being baptized, but there were individuals who, you know, they didn't like this insinuation. They didn't like the insinuation that there was something other than their own unique inheritance as the people of Israel 
that they needed to go through, something they needed to do in order to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. And so they basically were saying, wait a second, we're children of Abraham. We don't need to do these things. We don't need to be baptized like John the Baptist is proclaiming. And John the Baptist says to them, you find in Matthew chapter 3, 9, he says, do not think to say to yourselves that we have fought Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. <laughs> that doesn't give you a special status. Don't say that. You've got to do these things. You've got to come and repent and prepare yourself for the coming of the Messiah. You have another example of this when the Lord Jesus is teaching and he's declaring that his word and his truth that he declares conforms with all truth and it's in receiving by faith what he is proclaiming that men are set free. He says, you'll come to me and you'll hear from me and if you receive my words, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's found in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 33. Let me read you a portion of it. Then Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Now there the Lord Jesus, in a sense, is opening up a little bit of a vision of the blessing that God promised to Abraham. God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your seed. And through your seed, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. And what's that blessing going to be? Well, among other things, it's a freedom. It's a liberation. It's a freedom from the bondage of sin. It's a freedom from the guilt of sin. It's a freedom from the condemnation of sin. It's, it's a freedom also from the burden of somehow trying to, in your own power and your own strength, prove yourself and earn your way to God. And it's, it's a freedom from the laws that instead of leading you to salvation, bring you under condemnation. Jesus says, if you know me and you know my truth and you receive it, my truth will set you free. Verse 33 of John 8, they responded this way. They answered to him and said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. So how can you say you will be made free? It's kind of interesting. They've ignored the fact that over their history, they've been slaves to the Egyptians and the Philistines and the Babylonians and the Persians and the Greeks. And now, in a sense, they're in bondage to the Romans. Beyond that, they've been enslaved to their own practices and their own rules and their own laws. They've been in bondage to the constraint of the law that has never been able to make them righteous. And as a result, also they're in bondage to their own self-pride and the futility of that self-righteous pride. Here's what I want you to see here, though. It's exemplified with John the Baptist, and it's exemplified this encounter that Jesus has with them. Defense they have to prove that they're in a right standing, in a right state, is simply to say, we're the descendants of Abraham. We're distinct from everybody else. We're in a unique position. We have a, a unique access to and a unique claim on God's way as God's people and God's salvation because we are the descendants of Abraham. That makes us stand apart from everybody else in the world. Ours is a standing that grants to us salvation and a standing with God that no one else and no other people can claim. Part of Paul's mission and Paul's ministry, a significant part of it, was to go to the non-Jewish world and to proclaim to them that no matter their race and no matter their sex, and no matter their social status, that all of them by faith could gain a right standing and a reconciled relationship with God. And in order to make this point, the Holy Spirit leads Paul to go to Genesis chapter 15 and build his argument. And so what's wonderful is in order to make this point, God takes Paul back to the very place that the Jew goes to claim that they're distinct from everyone else. And they have this unique favored position and status for salvation that nobody else has. The Holy Spirit has Paul go back there to prove just the opposite. 
It's not just for the people of Israel. It's not just for the Jews. It doesn't, in a sense, give them any unique saving status that God has not made available to all the nations. Yes, it begins with Abraham. But from Abraham, you don't have this distinction where you're special and above everybody else. From Abraham, God reveals a truth and a way of salvation that goes to all people. It is in Abraham that a faith is broadcast to all the world by which all can be made right with God and be brought into relationship with Him. Abraham, in this sense, didn't establish a distinct race or nation of people that had a singular claim on God and His blessings. Through Abraham, God generated a work that could produce multiple races or nations that would come to exist and rise up under the blessing that God had promised. Like Abraham, the Israelites were the starting point of unfolding this wonderful blessing that came by faith. They become a case study throughout the Bible from beginning to end of God's faithfulness to bring sinful and rebellious people through faith under his blessing and bring to them a fruition of all of his promises. And God makes Israel a case study for this. But they're not alone. In that study, we have revealed to us the promises of faith and of life that are to come to a multitude of nations through Abraham's belief. And that's, that's what Paul is getting to and what Paul is illustrating in this passage. I want you to keep your fingers in Romans 4. We're going to go back to it. But for a moment, go to Genesis chapter 15. This is where Paul takes us back to. Genesis chapter 15. God has first made this promise to Abraham in Genesis 12. God renews the promise in Genesis 15. God will renew the promise again in Genesis chapter 17. In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham, he has left his family and his homeland. And he's gone to the place where God has told him that he was going to give him a land, and out of that place, God was going to make a great nation from him, and through him, God was going to bless all the nations of the earth. Now, Abraham has a problem he can't solve in his mind. How is it that a great nation is going to come from him when he's old, and his wife is barren, and he has no son, and the only heir that he can think of is a man who is a servant among his tents. This man who is simply a servant, a slave, is this one who is going to be the one who is going to receive and through which this promise that has been given to him by God is going to go out and this nation is going to rise because he can't think of it any other way. And God responds to him in verses 4 and 5 of Genesis 15. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This one, speaking of that servant or slave, shall not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and said to him. So God has brought Abraham. He's met with him obviously inside one of Abraham's tents. He brings him outside the doorway of his tent. And he said, look now toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And then verse 6 is the key verse that we were focused on last week. Verse 5, chapter 15. And he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he, God, accounted it to Abram for righteousness. He believed in the Lord, and God accounted it to him for righteousness. And there, in the Old Testament, is the first wonderfully plain text, just only 15 chapters into your Bible, 
that teaches and declares this wonderful truth of justification being made right, having God put to your account righteousness by faith alone. Abraham believed God. He believed that God would keep his promise to him. And as we said in our last message on this passage, that above everything else, what God wants from the individual is to be believed. God wants us to believe in him and believe what he says and believes what he promises. Here is Abraham who is powerless in himself without any ability to produce an heir. He has nothing in himself that he can do or labor to, in a sense, bring about this blessing that God has promised to bring through his own body and through his own seed. He has no way of doing it himself. But he believes that God, that God is going to be faithful to his promise. We're told based upon that belief in God, that God is true to his word and to his promise, that God accredits to Abraham's account a righteousness that up to that point in time Abraham didn't have. He's declared righteous before God. Now we're in Romans 4.17. So take your Bibles back there for a second. Go to Romans 4.17. Actually, I'm going to have you go to Genesis 17. So keep your finger in Genesis. See, we can pop back and forth easier that way. But now in Romans 4.17, I think what Paul is doing in this verse is Paul is bringing us to that moment of faith beneath the canopy of stars in which God makes this promise to Abraham. I think it's most natural to understand that this text is the Spirit of God revealing to Paul that at that time when God made this promise that through his seed there was going to be this multiplication of descendants that God was revealing to Abraham that not only would he arise up from his seed and from that seed this one great nation and not other great nations naturally through a seed but that there was going to be a spiritual flourishing of those who by the same faith that Abraham was expressing by his faiths that was going to number the stars of the skies I think that's the point I think that's the idea Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. We'd love to hear from you. Go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links to send us a message of encouragement or a prayer request. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.